Hello everyone and welcome back to the Film Score Podcast. Today my guest is Brian Tyler. This is actually an interview that I started working on back in like May or June of 2021. And after a fair bit of persistence and patience, it's finally come to fruition. Of course, Brian is fresh off the back of scoring the Super Mario Bros. movie, which is quickly turning out to be potentially the biggest animated film of all time. And once you've listened to his score, it won't be a surprise to discover how much acclaim it's gotten. I've seen a lot of people saying it's one of, if not their favorite scores of the year so far. And it's a really cool score. It's full of these homages to the music of the Mario universe. Brian told me that he thinks there's around 150 different ones. But it strikes a balance that isn't overwhelming. It doesn't feel like that's all the score is. It doesn't feel overwhelmed by these references. And he actually has a few original themes in there as well that fit in really seamlessly. It's exciting. It's fun. Now, of course, we go deep into discussing his score and talk about his score for a Vegas show, Awakening, and he gives us a little hint into some of the new music for Fast and Furious 10, Fast 10 or Fast X. Now, unfortunately, this is a quick interview. Brian is a busy guy, so we only had so much time, but I think the questions are... Uh, quite efficient. We get down to business ASAP. Now, I think after this, I'm going to take a little break, but I'll be back in not too long, so don't worry. Now, sit back, and I hope you enjoy. Brian, thank you so much for joining me today. How have you been? Been great, man. Uh, absolutely thrilled about Super Mario and, and the reaction, really. It's uh, still riding on that high. <laughs> I mean, does the the reaction surprised you? I mean, not just the movie itself making, like, an insane amount of money at this point, but also, I mean, I've I've seen a lot of people talking about your score being one of, if not the best of the year so far. Yeah, that that's wild. I think that, you know, anytime I go into doing a movie, I always absolutely dive all in. As I always said, it, I treat everything as if it were Citizen Kane, but I really believed in this movie, and so I was hoping that people would see what I saw in it and see what the directors um, saw in it, really top to bottom, everyone that believed in it, because really it is something, as a Mario fan myself, it's something that you, you really can't fake. You come into it wanting to, to do it justice. It's a high bar, and it's um, really making sure that the new themes are established and can s sit side by side the original music and have it be something that really beautifully can convey that sense of nostalgia, but also work on a, an emotionally resonant level for people that don't know anything about Mario. And all of those things, just that's just the music alone, but everyone from, from top to bottom, from the animators to directors to voice acting to you name it, we're all true believers. We, we, we really sincerely wanted the best for this. And it's kind of movie making at its purest in a way. So yeah, I, am I surprised that as the reaction I was I was thinking how can this not <laughs> you know I I just this we really uh, when we sat back and watched it we loved it so much and we're legit Mario fans through and through so 
you know, as far as anything goes, you know, we were having the highest of hopes of how really the fans would, would react, how the public would react. And that was what was so important to us. Is it kind of a surreal experience for you having the opportunity to score that in the first place, given, you know, I know you were a, a Mario fan playing, you know, playing Donkey Kong when it came out. Yeah. Whenever that was, you know, 35 million years ago. Years ago. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, so the thing was, is that like any gaming as someone that played arcade games all the way through to the consoles and everything, you know, Mario was something that, that lasted and through all the iterations and the, you know, the endless hours playing Mario Kart and all that. And then all the way back to Donkey Kong, of course, the idea of a game is different than, than a movie in that you really experience it and you dive into it as kind of an, an immersion that of course changes every time, you know, as you do it, it's like combining sports and cinema or something like that. And, you know, it's kind of a hybridization of of that and in your it's you know like a live as you go unfolding story or adventure and kind of in my mind I didn't hear that music or kind of look at the especially the early games as they were 8-bit and whatnot the 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 graphics and everything it's kind of like you dive in is what your imagination is and it's it's the great thing about the Mario games is that they made them in a, in a way that you could expand into that universe. And so I kind of thought, gee, you know, it'd be cool if the movie and its music kind of spoke to what I imagined it to mm. be when I was playing. It's like it's like taking the feeling of excitement and all those things and then translate it into, oh, this is what it actually kind of is if it was a real thing. And that's where that crossover, the baton is handed off from game to cinema. It's something that's very difficult to do. Most movies about games don't really work. And I thought talking to Illumination and the directors and Nintendo, especially talking early on to Shigeru Miyamoto and Koji Kondo, like just about what they felt, what they wanted for this movie. It was, it was kind of speaking to me as a fan, like, oh, wow, they're really going for it in a way that to me is something that I'd want to see. And that's what really hooked me. What were those conversations like with them? Just because I know that historically Nintendo's been pretty protective of its properties and turning them into movies. So you know, obviously there was the Mario film, the live action one 30 years ago or so, but like, yeah. this is a huge deal. So what what were those conversations like? Yeah, you know, I think basically it was something where they asked me what I thought about doing the music and and what they they wanted was what I wanted I didn't know that at the time but it was something where it needed new music that would fit into the world of Mario but in a cinematic way so so knowing the limitations of what a single theme in a game can do especially like an early game where you're totally dealing with kind of more one emotion like trying to beat the the level or or whatever it might be you kind of have these really great motifs and themes that exist all throughout the gaming history of Mario. But at the same time, they wanted me to expand on that so it could have an emotional depth and, and scale and kind of epic size that movies can bring in, in kind of the, the best way possible. So that's why when I, when I was talking about it, kind of what I wanted to do was, was like, okay, yeah, I want to, of course, I think that we should make all sorts of references to the you know that that's almost it's more than references it's to imbue the the musical landscape um with 
all that we know that is the, the history of Mario. I didn't want to just do, hey, let's do a nod to the main theme and move on with it. You know, I had an idea of just from reading the script and, and all that, that there were over a hundred moments we could go to that could do different themes from all over the map. I mean, we're talking game after game after game after game after game after game after game. And um, seamlessly, I, I thought that that could work also with like a new Mario theme and a new Peaches theme and Bowser and kind of all these like motifs that make it feel like, to me, like a really big, fun adventure movie. And I remember like kind of the, the heyday of that was, you know, you're talking about it's like Back to the Future and E.T. and Raiders of the Lost Ark and things like that, where the score had a primary purpose and, and it needed that, I felt with orchestra and choir and all those things that really bring it together. And so they thought that was a great thought. And, but it wasn't until I then went back and I wrote this big theme suite or like three of them mm. actually, which are on the soundtrack of those three. And that's when we knew because it really, it was great. It was when I played those themes from Koji Kondo and, and Shigeru Miyamoto, who I grew up idolizing and I had like, you know, magazine articles <laughs> cut out of them. Like I had, lit you know, because I had gaming magazine and all that all, since I was a kid, you know, so it was wild. You know, that's first, first of all, but then for them to hear that and say, oh my gosh, like, no, like this music is Mario. It, it is going to be part of, you know, Mario forever now. It feels like it's um, already part of Mario in the sense that it's like built in nostalgia. It sits next to the other themes and can work in tandem going back and forth and, at one point, I remember coming out of a screening at, I think it was Skywalker, and people kind of humming the ba da da ba da 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 <laughs> and thinking, oh, yeah, Mario. is like, oh, that's cool. And then someone said, oh, my gosh, wow, that's so cool that that's actually the, the theme that, the new theme that Brian wrote, you know, or one of them for the movie, and, and how they can kind of and, and how there's kind of a language of how it can kind of talk back and forth to each other. And so it never was something where there was a, um, okay, here's this and here's that. It really, I was so open to working with them and they were so open to working with me that we really just wanted the best for the movie regardless. And and then it ended up being that I ended up quoting themes even more than the 100. It it was um, a lot more, something like 150 or something <laughs> crazy, you know? And and if you were like, oh, really? You almost thought that I was exaggerating when I, when I was talking about that. It's like, no, literally, you know, um, because if we go down and write it down, I had this big spreadsheet, and sure enough, and it's cool because I've heard a lot of people go through it and try to find all the, the references, you know. <laughs> but sometimes I get emails thinking that the reference, and they and they miss they use some of the new themes as oh the reference to Princess Peach, of course, is here. It's like well that's the new Princess Peach theme, and you know it's like and so it's just a it cascades over a fan and a new new viewer of the movie in the same way that I'm happy. It just can bring an extra smile when someone recognizes something super obscure that they thought would never be quoted. And it just gives them a bit of that, like just zap of nostalgia, you know? <laughs> eh, so anyway, yeah. Some of those quotes, I mean, so I, I had seen that as well, that, you know, there were 100, 130 plus different quotes, references, homages, you know, however you want to call them. And I had the same reaction of like, there's no way. And earlier this week, actually, I found a playlist that had like 90 classic Mario tracks spanning 35 years, who knows how many games. And then I listened to the score again after listening to that and it was like, oh, holy shit. 
there there are so many there truly are so many in here some of these references are like literally three notes of blink and you miss it type thing so with that how did you strike the balance of having all of those in the score but you know not having it overwhelm the score not having it simply be like an an easter egg hunt yeah you know it's funny the idea was is just kind of as if this existed in a um in, in the same way, I treated it kind of uh, like a Star Wars kind of way, it, you know, where you have themes build through the years where you have new characters introduced. And sometimes it's you're dealing with so many that I wanted to do, but in a way, make it invisible too, to <laughs> anyone that doesn't know. And in that way, it can dramatically just work. So, for instance, sometimes I would be doing some kind of melody that I've written, and then you would have something that's called like antiphonal music where you have a call and response where one set of instruments plays a line you know like the horns play bah, 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 da, da. and then then there's a counter line in the in the cellos and the flutes or something like that 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 would echo a theme from the games in that way as long as it musically really made sense i could go for it if it didn't make sense i wouldn't do it hmm. um sometimes there would be a, a moment where you see someone was very obvious on screen that is a character is specific and it happens to be the theme that they're they're known for in the games is the wrong tone like it's super happy but it's a dark <laughs> scene you know you can't just like slap on it so in that way it always had to work for the movie uh, dramatically the idea of having that as a kind of a, a rule in a sense made it almost like a game unto itself you know because i really want to reference things that were like kind of wow that really emotionally hits me is in terms of nostalgia is when it's something that's more kind of obscure in a sense because you don't hear it all the time and so when you hear it it's one of those rare moments like oh my god i remember you know <laughs> i remember the waiting room in you know mario kart or something you know or whatever it might be you know and just kind of like really themes that that have been named as such through the years and so it might be you know something where you just see you know, the fish in, in the water bag, uh, you know, when he's walking by and, you're, oh, you know, it, and you hear references that are like that literally for two seconds. But it's things that I would do anyway with music. It just would be I'm just kind of finding a way to fit it in musically so it fits the scale and it really just is is invisible. So by the by the end of it, it was like this really beautiful tapestry that was I mean, very a higher bar of difficulty than mm. than just a, a a normal score because I wanted it to sing in a way musically like like the best of what I see in film music, and I referenced the the bike riding scene in E.T. a lot, and the way they treated the music in this movie is kind of a central idea that really spoke for the emotion of the scenes in a very similar way of that adventure of that fantasy of bringing you to a different world that that you you feel like you've gone through this journey has really made it so all of those things mattered even more. And so I and being really proud of everything and also just the fact that, you know, the look on, you know, the filmmakers' faces and um, Aaron and Michael and, of course, uh, Chris Meldandri, but, you know, Shigeru Miyamoto and, um, Miyamoto and Koji Kondo, they're your reaction was so beautiful. It was such a moment for me as a kid growing up playing it, then being now part of the Marty universe is kind of hard to put into words what that means. During that, you'd mentioned that, that it created a higher bar of difficulty than, than might normally be present. Do right. you think 
having that kind of pushed you as well, you know, having a, you know, more difficulty, more challenges to overcome made you approach the score. I don't want to say better because it's not like you're approaching other scores half asleep, but that the difficulty, you know, made you rise to the challenge. I think that often constraints can bring about creativity. Hmm. Sometimes I kind of artificially put them on myself. Like I'll say, okay, I want to do this score, but I'm only going to use analog synthesizers, or I'm only going to use a, a chamber orchestra of strings and no percussion or whatever it might be, and, and a piano, depending on the tone. And with this, uh, having the goal of really introducing new themes that can really stick with you at the same time as having the music that we already know sticks with you is uh, just a different angle. It's like a new bar of difficulty in a different category almost than you could ever imagine. <laughs> so I think that just, I love the material and I wanted the best for it. And so I just, I don't know if it made it better or or not, but I, I wasn't going to, since I really care about this, it's like I care about all my movies I do for sure. But there's a special place in your heart when you, you grew up doing something that ends up being, and this has happened before, you know, I collect Marvel comics and I've done so many Marvel movies and I love Teenage Ninja Turtles and I, and I love Formula One is my favorite sport. And I wrote that theme and, you know, Rambo, I ended up taking over that series after Jerry Goldsmith passed away, you know, and uh, it's just, it's uh, Star Trek, uh, Star Trek Enterprise is like my, I'm such a Trekker. So, so all these things that kind of somehow have come to me in, in, in me scoring, strangely enough, are so many of them are part of my childhood. Children of Dune, like, you know, I, I, I used to write music to when I was like 12 to the, the, the Dune series books, and I ended up scoring that. It's just, it's insane the amount of phone calls I got like, are you kidding me? Yeah, of course I'm interested in that, you know? And, <laughs> and, and, and this was certainly one of them. There's no question. It was like, I remember that first Zoom call with everybody. It was just like, a, it was like getting together with old friends. It, like, <laughs> we're all on the same page. It was just, it's, pinch me and then it comes out and then to see the fans which are me react in the way they did is just so cool i really think that having the pre-built interest and love of that some of those properties like comes through in the music and obviously I'd, i'd mentioned how much people are liking the music for this but children of dune you ask people what their favorite brian tyler score is and yeah so many people will say children of dune yeah I know. Yeah, it's um, it's pretty wild because that's something that it kind of encapsulates the, exactly the tone of who I am. That kind of writing is something that is a big part of, like, uh, for instance, what I'm directing and the experience, the Are We Dreaming experience is, is very much that tone of the children are doing, like, awe. There's an emotional feeling of, like, very emotional, but, but the kind of like it's breaking into a new dimension of kind of feeling and awe, it, which is kind of the rarest of kind of musical emotions, really. Um, there's usually like happy, sad and everything in between, but the kind of awe is this other thing. And it's the thing I love doing kind of the most. And it's, a, it's an emotion of a kind of like the being overwhelmed and having a tear, but it's not necessarily because you're sad, but because you're looking at the universe and you realize how small you are or something like that. That kind of emotion in music is what I absolutely love. And so kind of the nearest tie into Children of Dune really is Are We Dreaming? And it was kind of that project because it was something that, it was a book, I two books I read, Children of Dune and Dune Messiah, that, that I loved 
so much as a kid that it, sh it was shaping the way I was as just an artist and how I looked at the world. And, and it also kind of coincided with this, the science fiction, with the, with the science fact that I was so interested in and, and really my probably most influential person, public figure would be Carl Sagan with me and his books and his Cosmos, the original show, and that kind of opening up to the idea of us kind of uh, sharing the same air on this tiny little blue dot. It somehow translates into that music really well. So it's one of those things that's very, very me musically. And so I can totally see that. And it's something that now I'm doing as we speak as well. To change gears really quick, you also have a a Vegas show that you did the music for, Awakening at, at the Win. Yes. And first off, that's as a, like a standalone release. I mean, and maybe uh, there are others out there, but it's definitely the first one that I've seen of like, you know, a score release for a show like that. I was actually in, uh, I was in Vegas in September and it surprised me how many different places there are, you know, Fly Along, for instance, that has music from Junkie XL and a handful of other composers like how many well-known composers are, are doing music in that sphere. So I, I did want to ask really quick how you got involved in that and how that process or your approach differed from how you'd normally score a, a film or a TV series. I love Awakening. And in fact, it's funny, you should say that right after I was talking about Are We Dreaming because they were connected. I mm. um, they, they heard the music for Are We Dreaming, because uh, I was already making it at that point, even though Are We Dreaming is later, and they really wanted that vibe. So as it turns out, there's actually a crossover in music between the two. Mm. And it has the feeling of the spirit of, again, that awe thing, the the, the uh, emotionally resonant epic scale, but also, it, so it goes everything from orchestra and world music to like really modern bass music, electronic hip hop kind of thing but all kind of seamlessly just done in, in, in a way that is very much me. Like, I almost feel Awakening is truly like a closest thing to like a Brian Tyler, like solo album that there is. It, because they really, because the music was made first and they just came to me, they're like, we want this. We have, we have this epic story. Mm. We're going to, we, we outlined it and we started from the scratch and you have to do it because all choreographed it has a cast of like hundreds of the sets are this that were created to be this moving crazy like all led glass that can be anything from water to air that separates into like a hundred parts that are moving up and down and illusions and just the craziest most insane show you can imagine live like it's like looks impossible like it looks like this cannot happen <laughs> live you know, and it's in the round, so the audience is all around the stage. It's a big, mm. so you see from all angles. It's absolutely stunning, and it's really a musical in a sense that very, 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 very little dialogue, a couple things, but basically the music drives the entire thing. And there's speakers all over the theater, and also right next to your ears to create. Sometimes we would mix sounds, so it sounds like it's in your brain as opposed to hearing it in the room. You don't even notice that there's speakers there. Actually, it's just it fools your brain into to placing the the sound very much in an exact place and space that is in front of your eyes in a sense. And so something like that was, it was like a lot of freedom to create a story around them with the music in a sense. And that really guided it. It is amazing to see it live where I'm like, wow, look at this. I'm amazed at how it all happened. But throughout, I would go out and we would work on things. And I know 
Nolan, the uh, the choreographer, and I know a lot of the dancers. Some of the dancers are actually same people that are in Are We Dreaming in certain sequences that are choreographed. But you know, Baz, the director, and and like everybody from top to bottom, we really created this from scratch out of nowhere and out of nothing. And and so it's it's a beautiful thing to be able to see it play out twice a day out 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 in Vegas for years, you know. And as a soundtrack, I I'm really really proud of that one. And uh, yeah, I hope like that that people check that out because it's I think some of my best work for sure. It's really interesting as well because. Like you mentioned, it it is extremely eclectic and yet flows. You know, you yeah. you take you listen to two or three random tracks throughout, and you go, all right, well, these have to be from entirely different pieces, and then you listen to right. the whole thing, and and comes together like somehow it works. Yeah, and so I I realize we're you know we're running near the end. I I did want to give uh, two more questions for you. Here we go. We can do it. One, you know, like, like a lot of other composers, you had you started doing quite indie, lower budget things. I yeah. actually watched uh, Six String Samurai on a whim oh my like gosh. five years ago, and it was uh-huh. like very surprised when I saw your name pop up. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. You went through the list of some of the properties you've been doing, like all these huge ones. You know, is there ever a, a desire for you to like dip your toes into something smaller again, like that? Yeah, you know, I mean. I choose the projects based on what, what it is and mm-hmm. who's making it. And, you know, there are, in fact, you know, I still do that kind of thing. I, I did um, Justin Baldoni's film Clouds, you know, pretty recently. Yeah. Uh, and um, DJ Caruso's Redeeming Love. And then, of course, I do, you know, there's various kind of projects that over time, like um, Escape Room and whatnot, that, that are smaller than the other ones I've done. I really love the director. Adam Robitelle or when I did Ready or Not, which ended up leading to Scream with those directors. And it kind of is like, you know, you meet people or you work with people that you really love and then you see what material they're doing. And I've never had a kind of a limitation to, well, this movie is too small or too big right. ever, you know? And so I just kind of gone with the flow with what I feel I really relate to the project. I remember when I first was contacted by Taylor Sheridan for Yellowstone, it was something that at the time, you know, now it's the biggest show in the world. But at and the it time, has, you know, two huge spinoffs too. Right? Yeah, exactly. At, at the time, it was like thought to be like, okay, this is really like a artistic kind of thing that yeah. you know, where Taylor's great. I really wanted to do it, but there were some people that thought, I don't know, Brian, because you know, you got all these movies going on, and I and I turned down some big movies, and and they kind of thought, I don't know, maybe you're a little bit crazy. And I was like, have you? I've read this screenplays for the rest of this series, you know, like this is going to be, this, it doesn't even matter if people watch this. I want to watch it. You know, I, is it going to connect? And boy, did it ever. Now, yeah, it's literally the biggest show on television. So, or whatever streaming too. And I so have enjoyed doing 1883 and 1923 as well, you know, and these historical dramas now, because it went back in time to do something I love to do, which is the historical dramas is some of my favorite kind of things. And in a way, Children of Dune felt like that, even though it's like, it's kind of a used future, you know, that the Dune universe feels like kind of the past at the same time as it is the future. So with that, I got to do that. And in fact, I went back into the 19th century twice last year because Redeeming Love as well, which I ended up doing a violin concerto for. So and I love moving around, whether it's not it's like a really hardcore, like cold industrial electronic score to a violin concerto driven score to Super Mario Brothers or to Fast 10, which is coming out, which is like the most insane production I've ever done. It's like everything I've learned from doing Are We Dreaming and Awakening over the last few years, last three years, that production like level of just really 
like intricate precision of the like in in sonic ear candy combined with really powerful music in in the orchestra is like I'm really excited for people to hear that in a way that I think it'll kind of surprise people too. So it's always pushing forward and it's regardless of what the project is. And I remember taking on Now You See Me back in the day. And and uh, again, it, it was kind of a, you know, it was like a medium budget movie. It was, I really loved it. And Louis Leterrier was directing. Well, he's directing Fast 10. Yeah. And then the sequel was John Chu is directing. Okay, great. And then Crazy Rich Asians. And I ended up doing that. And so kind of you have to go with your gut on things and not necessarily listen to other people, what they think that you should do. And I've been lucky that that has led me to where I am. You mentioned Fast 10. I know it comes out in about a month. And, you know, I, I know there's NDAs and all that sort of stuff uh, potentially in play. Are there any, you know, insights or uh, hints as to what the music's going to be like? Well, the music is just, to me, the culmination of kind of uh, the series in the sense that we are, of course, referencing the themes of because these these characters. Yeah. And you have a new character in Jason Momoa's character that is really unique. And the music for that, I'm so excited about people hearing. <laughs> it is like, it is the most, like, the theme for that to me is just really, ooh, uh, it's hard to describe, but it's just, it's like the kind of siren song that you're not supposed to look at that has a beauty, but there's something slightly, there's something wrong in the music that gives you those kind of, some of those chords and harmonizations that you go, ooh, what is that? It's kind of everything I love about kind of what, what music can do to create a very specific emotion that you kind of partly understand like a villain and empathize with them, which makes them even more dangerous. And the fact that you you kind of, part of you is rooting for them. It's It gives the audience member a complex kind of emotion that is very satisfying in a way for a movie because you're feeling things you don't normally feel. And also, of course, it's just, it's epic and incredible and exciting and emotional. And, and like the the music just goes into a, a, I push the envelope further than I, and than I have in scoring on that movie. So I'm really excited for people to hear that for sure and see it. Awesome. I'm looking forward yeah. to it too. Yeah, man. Brian, I, I really appreciate you joining me today. And I know we mentioned 30 minutes. We uh, went slightly over, but... All good. All good. <laughs> no, it was fun. I appreciate it. <laughs> of course. Thank you so much. And um, yeah, we'll, we'll talk to you soon.